The United States makes up 75% of the world's prescription drug usage. And we are prescribing opioids upon opioids for pain management. But what if there was a substance that could help with chronic pain, but it's illegal? Riley was your typical kid until a large aggressive tumor began to eat away at her teeth, cheekbones, and eye sockets, causing her to have surgery that left her with seizures. Jaden suffers from a rare form of epilepsy, giving him seizures so severe that he cannot speak or play. And Sio has suffered from depression and anxiety her whole life. In all of these cases, prescription medications weren't treating all of the symptoms, and then they found CBD. Hi, I'm Heather Grayson, writer, producer, and director who craves passion in filmmaking, and documentarians are just that. I write fiction, but I love to watch the truth. My name is B.C. Wayman. I'm an actor, a writer, an entertainer, all sorts of creative endeavors. But what I love most? Being a storyteller. It's why I love documentaries. They're extraordinary stories from everyday, extraordinary people. This is Behind the Doc, and today we are behind the scenes of CBD Nation. When I was really young, I had an issue with depression and anxiety. So I had a really hard time at school because I was having panic attacks all the time. I used to take pills to help things, but then take other pills to help other things. I was given um, Zoloft, Effexor, uh, Clonazepam, Ativan, Xanax, um, what else was there, Wellbutrin, Trazodone, Lyrica, which is actually an anti-seizure medication, but they ran out of medications to give me, so they gave that to me, and then my nose started bleeding at nighttime. Because I was on antidepressants that made me not focus, I had to take Dexedrin, which is an ADHD medication, which is for focusing, but then that would give me crazy anxiety. I went to different doctors. Every time I told them that I wanted to be either off the medication because it wasn't working for me and causing side effects, or lower the dose, they would actually double the dose. And I felt like a zombie all the time, just not myself. Until I went on Facebook and I saw things about CBD. Here on Behind the Dock, we watch a lot of documentary films. Some of them are happy. Some of them make you feel sad. Some of them are lighthearted. Some of them could be life-changing. And that's what we hope this next film may do, whether whatever side you fall on when it comes to the legalized cannabis argument. There's a lot of arguments to be made on the side of what director David Yakubovich has talked about in CBD Nation. And we are very excited to have him join us today on Behind the Dock. David, how are you doing? I am excellent. How are you? I am well. I am well. Thank you for joining us very much on Behind the Dock. So just a little bit of background before we end up going into the film so our audience can get to know you a little bit. I'm a filmmaker. I was an editor for many years and edited a lot of different types of movies and TV shows. And then in the last few years, I've come to really love directing documentaries and found that that is a good creative home for me. And so I started focusing very intensely on that and specifically on science-related subjects. I found that those are really interesting to me because they're so hard. They're so hard in terms of learning the content and figuring out how to talk about it in a movie to a layperson audience. And, and I find that very gratifying. I think a really interesting note from your past, and maybe make sure I read this right, that you picked up filmmaking or began when you entered into the Israeli Air Force. Is that correct? 
I made films in high school, which is why when I went into the Air Force, because in Israel, everyone has to go into the military for three years. All men have to do three years. All women have to do just under year, two years. And so because I did it in high school, my job ended up being to make training films for the Israeli Air Force, which is an interesting way to start your career because you, you're, you're making movies about highly technical things that you'll never understand, right? You're like, how, how to you know, how to make this plane fly, basically, right? Or how to make this plane do a certain type of thing, which you, as you do it again and again, you start you start understanding what you need to know and what you don't need to know, what the content experts can know without you really understanding it. And you start getting a feel for how to make movies like that in a way that's going to be entertaining. CBD Nation has done a really good job. And as you mentioned, your background, and I think maybe all the way back to your Air Force training videos, how to explain something which can seem technically overwhelming sometimes to everyone. And that's what I think CBD Nation did very well. When this investor got to you or approached you, were you were you apprehensive? Were you thinking, this is I'm not making a stoner film? Is this like the reality show of Dazed and Confused? Were you a little nervous when you heard it? Or what were your preconceived notions on whether it's CBD or THC or any sort of legalized cannabis heading into this when they approached you? I actually had a funny reaction. I got a little bit bummed out about it. <laughs> and the reason is because I thought, well, here's an opportunity to make a movie. But I like I couldn't care less about the subject. I had definitely had preconceived notions about cannabis. I've never been much of a user. I had had it a bunch of times in, throughout my life. Always got, because I never built any sort of tolerance for it. Every time I did it, I got, you know, stoned beyond belief. So I didn't really like it. And, uh, you know, I had my, my preconceived notions about people who use a lot of cannabis. Now, sort of ashamed to admit that, that I used to like find stoners kind of annoying. And I used the word stoners with quotes. And probably CBD, I thought then, is some kind of, you know, it's just another wellness fad that's, you know, people are probably touting as some miracle drug bullshit out there. And it's just not going to be really interesting to do a documentary on, you know. But then I started, but I thought, let's, let's do some research. So I started doing research and really with cannabis, it's fascinating. All you need to do is minutes of real research. You know, you go on Google Scholar and you start looking up scientific papers and you start listening to some TED Talks by real scientists and not by just, um, you know, random people who want to talk positively about the plant. All you need to do is a little bit of research and you start very quickly to realize that this is very, very real. What we find, however, is cannabis can have pain blocking effects. There's a pretty big body of research that says cannabis is effective for chronic pain. I reviewed thousands of pages of the literature and I really looked at it carefully. And when I think of all the cannabis-related movies and documentaries I had seen, they all seem to be, or often, not, I don't want to say all, they're often made within the context of cannabis culture somehow. They're not serious entirely, you know? And I think that that was, that was my, my wake-up call was, I think if I can make a movie that's about science, where the science itself is emotionally, you can connect emotionally to it, and the science is being supported by the stories of people and not the other way around, that there could be something here that would be viable. I cried so much during this film just for the subjects that you have in the film. How did you come about in meeting them and deciding to put them in your film? Because they were absolutely some of the driving force why I was like, I have to pay attention to this. 
it's my favorite thing with documentaries is how you come across, how you come to the stories because there's no textbook about it, right? So one of the very first things I did when I realized I think this is something I'd like to explore is I was, I was going to go to Israel because I go there all the time because I'm from there. They had this big conference in Tel Aviv called Kenatech. And I thought, and, and they had a lot of speakers, scientists and stuff like that. So I thought I'll go and listen to some lectures. And I was blown away by the, by the, the technology science vibe of the whole thing. Like this did not feel like um, a weed conference, right? It felt like a tech conference. And I started listening to these speeches and I was just, again, just like my research online, blown away by the science. But one of the things I saw was a panel in which Janie Maidler, who's the mother of a seven-year-old, uh, well, she was seven at the time, named Riley. Okay, so it all started the summer before I started second grade. And it turned out I had a giant cell granuloma tumor. It's considered a benign bone tumor, even though it's aggressive, it would still like just continue eating away the structure of her whole face and it's life-threatening and it has a high reoccurrence rate. My mom, she was like looking online, seeing what she could do and she found cannabis and she started giving it to me. Very quickly after she started the oil, her teeth started getting firmer and that gradually like got better and better each week. And they went on this amazing legal battle with the state of Delaware in order to get minors to be allowed to use medical cannabis. But at the time that all of this was happening, it was illegal for children in Delaware. And then there was another problem where I couldn't take my medicine on school grounds. And I saw this woman, Janie, doing this panel and I was blown away by how touching it was, like I had tears in my eyes. I ran up to her after the panel and introduced myself and said, uh, I, I, I think I'm going to make a movie about cannabis, about CBD and stuff like that. Can we, can we talk? She was uh, an American woman who was in Israel for this conference. So she gave me her card, and that, that was it. Riley's story is, I think, a good linchpin throughout it. It kind of brings science together with laws and just emotion. And as you said, the film does an amazing job of uh, throwing out a lot of scientific information, and we'll get to that in a moment. But Riley's story was, it almost seems incredible, <laughs> too good to be true. And then the simple fact of even if it is helping her, if CBD does help her bone tumors regress, if it does change her life, literally, that is a literal statement, change her life forever, it seems odd that so many people in hearing her story would just look the other way or ignore it. So I was really excited because sometimes politicians, particularly on the conservative side, will not listen to these arguments. So to see those from her home state support her, put Riley's law into action, that was a nice moment on scene to see those lawmakers interact with Riley, see her walking the floor of her local legal institution and shaking hands and kissing babies. It was a really good part, and I'm glad to see that law pushed forward with her being the driving force behind it. The parents and the children stories are unbelievable. One of the first uh, and important stories, I think, in, in a modern cannabis legalization is that of Jason David. I have a son named Jaden David. Uh, he was born perfectly fine at four months old, uh, started having seizures. My son has Dravacin, a very rare form of epilepsy. Um, the most life-threatening epilepsy out there. And this man was just so desperate, and he finally found his way to a cannabis store in Oakland called Harborside, and he convinced the people who owned it, the D'Angelo brothers, to give him cannabis for his kid, which they were very 
yeah, afraid to do it first, right? And they ended up deciding, okay, let's give him CBD and see if it works, you know, because that won't get the kids stoned. I remember giving it to him that morning, and um, I remember that day vividly. Uh, Jaden's smiling. <laughs> Jaden happy. Jaden dancing. It was the first day I ever seen my son not have a seizure in his life. These stories of the parents and children are, they make you, <laughs> I mean, I get emotional thinking about it now, you know, and it's been a year since I finished the movie. The Riley story is touching in that you have Congress people just saying, well, there's nothing I can really do in the face of this child, right? Like, there's nothing I can say. Anything I can say is going to make me look like a complete psychopath, basically. It's clearly helping her. So what am I going to do? Say, like, no, go die, you know? We have so many decades of research so far. For me, it's almost awful to hear that there are some doctors, there are probably neurologists that know that this can help and you are not helping the parents and showing them that, hey, this poor baby who at four months old is having these awful seizures and they're not introducing this. To see Riley's story with them taking her off the CBD and, and the reactions that she had. And then I began losing a lot of veterans in my practice to suicide. And that was when I had this real epiphany that, you know, all these lousy pharmaceuticals that I'm writing for patients every day are not helping them. And often they were, you know, causing more toxicity than this natural plant. So the, the military veterans in my practice who were using the plant were actually describing this as life-saving for them. And I started to finally examine the scientific literature, and I regretted how judgmental I was over these past many years because I probably could have saved more lives. All these vets who killed themselves may have, you know, who knows? I wonder if they could have benefited from this plant. And I loved that you found that doctor who agreed with you. A lot of doctors are a little bit apprehensive in talking about this and saying, hey, I was wrong. I probably should have went ahead and prescribed them CBD or told them where to go. Where did you find where did you find yourself in this? There are many doctors out there, and I I, I don't I don't okay, there are many doctors out there who just don't know the science at all, right? They don't know anything about how the body interacts with cannabis. And they have preconceived notions that they've grown up with just like everyone else. And so when you meet doctors who are obviously serious people who tell you, I regret not helping people earlier with cannabis, is very powerful. These doctors exist. There are many of them, right? And it's increasing. The numbers are increasing the more the knowledge gets out there. I'm hoping for um, uh, this movie to, to just increase that exponentially if, if we're lucky and people see it so that more and more doctors know about it and that more and more patients feel like, like they want to tell their doctors about it. Hey, go see this movie, you know. Hello, this is Gary Chahot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today. 
one of the most poignant parts was this moment where you presented all these different scientific reports that clearly stated that CBD or even THC cannabis has effects that can help people potentially eliminate diseases that they may have or at least tone down the symptoms. And it was year after year. And every decade, it would seeming a new report would come out or even one commissioned by Richard Nixon, who was very anti-cannabis. Like all these reports came out and they weren't just kept hidden from the public, but seemingly from these people, these doctors. So I almost feel for them because the information was available, but it seems like it was tucked away. Were you surprised to learn how much factual science research was done on the improvements that cannabis, CBD, THC could have in someone's life and how they just seemingly put it away and just hid it away so no one could have access to it? (laughs) I was utterly shocked by it. Stop saying that there's no evidence. There is evidence, and it's documented, and it is out there for everybody to take a look at. So if we choose not to look at it, it's no longer ignorance, it's arrogance. The first big one that I I learned about is the patent. The U.S. government, the U.S. Health Department, has a patent on which the main signatory scientist is a Nobel Prize-winning biochemist, and this patent is for cannabis compounds the main one that's that's uh, in that patent is CBD, for the efficacy, medical efficacy of these cannabis compounds. The government has a patent on this while at the same time it's illegal. I mean, how corrupt is that? Not only that, here's another fun one. Dr. Rafael Meshulam is an Israeli scientist who is in the film, and he's sort of considered the grandfather of cannabis research, right? He discovered THC in the, in the 60s, and in his lab, a lot of scientific work was done into cannabis and into the the way that cannabis interacts with the body. We have seen that in epilepsy, it blocks epileptic attacks. We published that 35 years ago. Cannabidiol blocked epileptic attacks in patients that nothing else was helping them. What happened? Nothing for 30 years. It's crazy. Like, this guy is sitting there saying, 37 years ago, we already showed that CBD is helpful for epilepsy, and no one listened. But do you know who funded Dr. Mishulam for for decades via grants? The National um, Institute of Health, the NIH, the U.S. government. So while it's illegal here, it's being researched, paid for by by American taxes in other countries. And that's just it's just disheartening, you know? It's, it kind of makes you crazy, but it also makes you realize, oh, this is real. Real quick, were you pretty excited to learn that the grandfather of pretty much all scientific knowledge when it comes to cannabis was also of Israeli descent? Was that like Team U? Were you excited for that? That was fun because, um, first of all, it was another excuse to go to Israel. But also it was, it was fun to conduct interviews in Hebrew because I had been in, in the U.S. since I was 21. And so I never really, other than in the military, I never really worked in Hebrew except for on the occasion, occasional moment. And so, so that, was, that was fun. Also, Israel is one of the leading places in the world in cannabis research, and that's a cool thing to show. In looking at the film, it's wonderfully done. And the really great parts about it, too, is that you kind of have fun with it. We have these great illustrations and these animations. Tell us about the artist. Yeah, her name is Sarah Winters. She lives in Colorado. I had met her. This was with a third project we had done together. We, We made two short documentaries on quantum physics 
before that. Fun. Um, yeah, very fun. <laughs> they were made for a, for a client, and and it was a. They're both about about like what is reality at its at its most fundamental most fundamental level. And she just has this beautiful way of of uh, of of using cartoons and sort of imagery that feels almost. I don't, I'm afraid to use this word, but like almost spiritual, but not, you know, and, and she just, I don't know, her stuff is very evocative and, and beautiful. And I think part of what I also appreciated was viewers, people who are watching it are going to see those names pop up. They're going to listen to the people on screen talking about how cannabis has altered their life and the lack of pills they're taking and realize, I was like, I know family members on all of them or is, I think her name was Sia Rodriguez talked about, like the pills stacked upon stacked upon stacked of each other and then pills to offset the pills she's taking. And then to realize I'm just taking CBD now and my life is better. That was, I think, a reality check, seeing those name brands and not the scientific names. That was really powerful. It just started working really well for me. I stopped getting panic attacks. Um, I felt more social because the anxiety was more calm. I felt happier and more uplifted, more positive. It also helped with my digestion. Um, I didn't have any more stomach issues from the anxiety. I am completely off of pharmaceuticals now, and I only take CBD twice a day. Yeah, it's it, and, and by the way, her story about having being on like twelve different different drugs is a recurring story that I heard from hundreds of people that I came across making this movie. Right, all the people in the film, Colin, the the, the veteran with PTSD, was also in the same exact boat. Right, just one drug after another. I am the founder of a group called Veterans Walk and Talk. We hike three times a week all around Southern California. So beautiful. We get out in nature, you know, those barriers we have built up. We're like, we don't want to talk about certain things. All of a sudden, those barriers start to break down. We start sharing really important things that we probably needed to share for a long time. All these veterans that he works with, same boat. And so I don't want to make any statement whatsoever. I'm not a doctor and I, I'm not going to make any statements about you know, pharmaceutical drugs not being good for you, because I, I, I don't feel the need to make that statement. All I want to show is that there are people for whom they have been problematic in the way that they've been taking them. Getting back to Colin and his story, that was a powerful message. We know so many people who are coming back with PTSD. We know so much more about PTSD than we used to. For a while, it was just soldiers coming back from war. Then it was our first responders. Then it was police. Then it was us just going through a traumatic situation, you know, and we and, and we revert back. But what was so clear to me was when he was talking about, well, Butrin, one of the pills he was on, not currently, but was, and how the side effect was actually suicidal thoughts. Yet he was taking it to be not depressed any longer. It was so easy for me to follow and understand. You know, everything was put together with with pictures and graphics so I could I could understand just, you know, regular old me who can't season science, I'll tell you that much. I could understand and follow along with the whole thing and I felt for him. I felt for all of them, but you know, his story in particular and how he's doing things to help veterans and for free just on his own time. It was just so wonderful because they have nowhere else to turn. And that's so sad in our healthcare system. Not only on his own time, his own his entire life, he's devoted to this. It's become his mission. And he's such a beautiful soul, you know, like he talks he talks often about how much he loves living because he really earned that, you know, because he hated living and everything was 
hideous. And then he, you know, I, growing up in, in, uh, in Israel, something that strikes me about veterans in America that's, that I find strange is that in Israel, because everyone go, or most, most people go into the military, everyone gets what the military is. So you come out and most people you meet have had that experience, right? Um, I mean, um, clearly not everyone has had the PTSD experience, but everyone like understands what that means broadly, you know? And here it feels like veterans are very dissociated from the rest of, of society, at least in New York and LA, which, is this, which are the cities that I have lived in. I think there's this sense of, like that Colin talks about a lot, of feeling like no one around understands, understands you. So, so no one understands your pain and your, your, your history. And so he's devoted his life to helping these people. And I just found it so beautiful that I, I had to film with them. So remember how he said that CBD and THC are both compounds in the cannabis plant that are called cannabinoids? Well, this is the most fascinating thing that I've learned making this documentary. Our human bodies appear to be built to require cannabis. I know that's a really over-the-top sounding statement. I'll explain it in a little bit more detail. So, our bodies are full of tiny receptors that are activated by cannabinoids. What does activated mean? Well, it means that when cannabinoids come in contact with these receptors in our body, the receptors get to work on an incredibly important job, regulating many of the body's systems and maintaining or restoring something called homeostasis, which is just a fancy word for the body's natural balance. Basically, this system of receptors plays a huge part in keeping the body working properly. These receptors are everywhere in the body. Most of them are in the brain and in the nervous system, but they're everywhere. In the immune system, many of our organs, the blood, the skin, everywhere. This is the reason that cannabis is effective for so many seemingly unrelated diseases. Okay, so now we're gonna tell you all of that in a little more detail. The endocannabinoid system is an interesting part. I mean, you know, we know that it was discovered a long time ago. It's something that's not well known that our bodies have this kind of inherent desire to connect with cannabis, kind of makes our own cannabinoids inside of us and looks for that to activate. And once again, lovely animations describing it, making it very easy for people like Heather and I and everyone that watches it to understand. How exciting was that, I think, to learn? And then as you talked about into animals and every living creature almost having that, how exciting was that? And how mind-blown are people when they kind of understand that or see that portion of the film? It was shocking to learn. It was beautiful to learn. It was humbling to learn. And it was, uh, and it was cool to learn, you know? And then the craziest discovery was made. Our body makes its own cannabinoids. One of my favorite parts of learning the story was going back in uh, focusing on the breeders of the plant. So focusing on how, you know, in the 60s and 70s, we were really uh, the the growers, right? We're, we're, we're working under the radar. We're completely illegal to a point. The growers are growing this THC heavy cannabis, trying to get people high, get people stoned and breeding out the CBD. And then over the course of time, and it seems a spot now where CBD is available everywhere you go, literally everywhere I go, I, I can buy some version of CBD. To see the story, it being bred back in, the D'Angelo's having a big part of that, you know, they're a large part of 
legalization of cannabis, Proposition 215 in California. They're a big part of that. So they're a big mainstay. So it was exciting to hear that story, not only how they worked with Jaden and Jason to help him out and, you know, introduce CBD into it, but just the breeding part and the growing part. That was a really interesting aspect to bring in that I didn't expect in something that I thought would focus more on the science and data and we get into the actual growing of it. Often people who have stigmatized this plant and think of it as in, um, through the lens of stigma, talk about it as being a gateway. That's the word that they use, right? A gateway into uh, harder drugs. I wanted to take the word gateway and sort of use it in the opposite way and say, and use CBD's story as a gateway into learning about medical cannabis because CBD is not scary. If you explain immediately that CBD is not something that gets you high, it immediately is less scary than weed you know, marijuana, these words that sound like uh, creepy. And so the story of CBD as such involves how that whole thing you described about it being bred out of cannabis just naturally by, by trying to get people stoned and it coming back because people wanted to have it uh, medically effective cannabis. That's why I did that. It also happened to be one of the very first things I learned. So it just became a natural part of the story for me. So David, is this film goes out, it'll be released on Amazon Prime by the time this podcast airs. People are going to watch this and they're going to have their opinions. What do you hope, David, what do you hope they take away when watching this? I want people to feel empowered because they have more knowledge than what they had before. And so I want you to come out of this movie, ideally, with a sense of, with a sense of, oh, I didn't know all of this information. And is it useful in my life, in my medical journey, in someone else's medical journey who, who I care about? I wanted to help shatter the stigma because the stigma is based on nothing. The stigma is based on political nonsense and, and it's just not really based on reality and real facts and science, right? Sure, you can take too much THC and get very stoned. And sure, you can take too much THC regularly and have some anxiety problems. But if that's going to be the way that we view this, enormous plant. I mean, that's silly. Like we can take too much aspirin and do damage to ourselves too, right? So I think we, I think, I think water has a higher toxicity, toxicity level than, than, than cannabis somehow too. So I want people to just know about this so that they can see if it's useful for them and if they can help themselves with problems they have. Just to go back a little bit to to the people that are in this film, these emotional stories, we see that a lot of them are on opioid-based pill prior to taking CBD or cannabis. And we see a lot of repercussions from them coming off of these pills. What your film showed is that what could be so bad about this very natural plant, and I loved that a couple of them— Instead of them saying medicine, they were saying, you know, or, or pills or whatever, they were saying this plant. This is what this is. You know, it might be in pill form at that point in an oil or whatever, but it is, it is derived from a plant, a natural form that has grown here for obviously centuries, 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 centuries. Have you talked to Jason, Jaden, Riley, Riley's mom, Colin? Do we have any kind of update on how all of them are doing? I know Riley's doing well. I'm regularly in touch with her and with Janie. She's doing excellently. Colin is doing beautifully. Jaden is um, nonverbal, you know, because he had so much, so much uh, damage to his system from years of seizures and, and all these medications. Jason has been very slowly still weaning him off of uh, the last 
pharmaceutical drug he was on, uh, the name of which I cannot remember right now. You have to like wean it off really slowly over years. Jason is still confident that one day he's going to speak and say, I love you, daddy, which is his, his dream for years. And yeah, I, I think we should all wish him the greatest luck in that, you know. You made an amazing film, David. Uh, we want to thank you for joining us. David uh, Yakubovich, director of CBD Nation. It is available now on Amazon Prime Video. Thank you for joining us. I hope your film gets out there, you know, whether people, whatever side of the argument they fall on, I like your word empowerment, education, knowledge, because it can't hurt, right? It can't hurt to learn more to maybe change your opinion. Sometimes people believe everything they're told. So hopefully, maybe they'll believe a little what you told them as well, besides maybe what they already know. So thank you very much for joining us. Can I say one last thing about like a summary, which is the conversation about this plant is often very, very big, right? There's so many topics, like it makes you high, criminals use it, you know, all these stigma things that we've learned over the years that are not true necessarily. And really what we should talk about, what the conversation's baseline should be is what does it do medically? What does it not do medically? Who does it help? Who does it not? What do we know and what do we not yet know? That's it. That's the conversation, right? If you can answer those questions, you can have a real honest conversation about this subject that has been so fraught with lies for so many years. Thank you for giving us real, honest talk about it. I think that's a fantastic way to end the interview. Real honesty. It's a good thing for us these days. Thank you, everyone. This is only here as a treatment, 100% because of patients, because people wanted this. We've all taken control of our own medical journey in a lot of ways. We have an option now to get the facts known, to get informed, and make a choice. I think we are going to see an increasing number of people who start to take responsibility for their own health and become present in their own well-being. The first step of taking your power back is to educate yourself. Healthcare practitioners really need to educate themselves on the endocannabinoid system and on medical cannabis very quickly. Physicians need to learn to trust the patient. If physician cannot help you, you have right to treat your health. Thanks for listening to this episode of Behind the Doc. If you liked us, because we all know you did. Leave us a review in your Apple Podcast app. Behind the Dock is produced by Evergreen Podcast in association with Gravitas Ventures. Special thanks to executive producers Nolan Gallagher and Michael D'Aloya. Produced by Sarah Wilgroup and audio engineer Eric Coltmau. And you'll find us everywhere and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. 
Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.